0: Thank you, Dave. Hi, everyone. Good morning. How are you doing? Excellent. Well, like Dave said, I am Doug Brown. I'm the high school pastor here at Calvary. Hi, high school students. How are you doing over there? You look great this morning. How was Christmas? Good. Sorry for taking that time to do that. But uh, today is snow day. I'm glad that it, uh, the snow was delivered this morning, not last night. Did you guys realize how windy it was? Was it windy where you were last night? It was so windy. Our umbrella in the back blew over. I figured that it, we would just be doing bobsledding from Samson Chapel down into the worship center this morning. It was so windy it just turned ice out there. But it's not. It's nice and soft and frothy. Is that what snow is? Frothy? But uh, it's it's really great out there. I'm glad to be with you this morning on the last Sunday ever of 2015 and it's going to be a great year next year and I'm excited to end this year talking about the light. If you haven't been with us the last month or if you've just had too many Christmas cookies or something you're feeling forgetful let me remind you that over the last month we've been talking about the light. We've been talking about how Jesus is the light of the world And that God sent His only begotten Son, Jesus, to come and to give us that light so that we may find a way to the Father. And through that, live a life filled with the light. That's what we've been talking about. And this morning in particularly, we are going to talk about how that story, Christ being the light of the world and and, and that light being in us, What that has to do with the life that we live every day. What does that have to do with us? If if we live in light of the fact that Christ is the light, where are we involved in that? Well, the Bible has a lot to say. Jesus has a lot to say about how we are the light. We're going to get there. But before we do, I want to go back and just talk about light and dark for a brief moment and pull a small fact or or a little bit of information about that and how it interacts with the Bible that will help us understand how we are to live our life as the light. Does that make sense? We're going to get there, but let me give you two different stories, okay? I'll tell you two different stories. Both of them have to do with my life, and then at the end of the two different stories, you have to tell me, okay? You tell me which one is more like light and darkness in the Bible. Okay, so there's two different stories. You're going to tell me at the end which one is more like the light and darkness that is talked about in the Bible. Deal? Are you feeling on board? Yes. Okay, let me begin with the first story. Story number one. When I was in college, in undergrad, I took a a literature class. And in this literature class, we were reading the book, and we were supposed to watch the movie as well, <clears throat> called A Streetcar Named Desire. Uh, does anyone even know what this is anymore? Yes? I don't remember much from it. I don't, I don't know if I was very good at the class. I know that there was uh, someone named Blanche, is that right? And then the guy who yells, Stella, I remember that. And they live by a, uh, like a train track, maybe that's why it's called A Streetcar Named Desire. Is that why? Maybe I clearly didn't do very well in the class, right? But we had an assignment. Take the book, A Streetcar Named Desire, and then watch the movie. And then out of that, you need to write this long paper analyzing light and dark. Okay? So you need to figure out what is represented by the light. What is represented by the dark? How do they interact with each other? How do they, you know, mean different things? So I went on this whole discovery about (laughs) what is the light and the dark in this movie, in this book, and I was struggling. I couldn't figure it out. So I decided, all right, Doug, I'm just going to... I'm going to literally, I'm going to filibuster my teacher. I'm just going to give him as much stuff as I can. So I wrote about everything. Oh Well, when Blanche walks in, she leans against a, a, a light-colored wall, which means that she's a good person. Or, or, and then the other person, he has a dark T-shirt on. Oh, he's so evil. And I thought, this is just garbage. It's no good. It's all over the place. My teacher ended up just loving it. It was like they hung it on the wall. She was so proud out of it because, oh, you finally really got the project about how every little nuanced detail of dark colored clothing or light, it represents evil or the struggle of this. So that's my first story. Okay. The streetcar name desire literature assignment, right? Of just light and dark. Okay. And then this is my second story. Again, you're going to have to tell me at the end of this, which one you think sounds more like the biblical light and dark. All right. The second story is this. Like Dave said, I did grow up here at Calvary. I was in junior high or high school when the story took place. And we got here to to church on Wednesday night. We went to church and it was wonderful. Matt Doan was probably there leading and it was everything was wonderful. But we were at the end of church, we decided, well, let's go play tag, all right? Let's play tag. So we were maybe goofing around playing tag in the courtyard. It wasn't exciting enough. So we thought to ourselves, let's go into Sam's Vic Chapel right over there, the chapel right across the way. We'll turn off all of the lights, okay? All the lights will be pitch black. We'll cover up the exit signs. We'll do everything. So it'll just be so black. And then we will play tag, right? We'll just run around and just play tag, and it'll be so fun. So we did that, right? We ran in there. We were running around. We were up in the baptismal. Don't judge me for this. We, I love, I got married there. It's a wonderful place, but we were crazy kids. And we were running around in the baptismal, running around the back. You hit your shin on a chair. Ah! it hurts so bad. And then as we're running it around in there, there is a friend of mine named Alex Kenny. And as he's running, he's running down the center aisle, right? And if you've been in there back before it was remodeled, you kind of get what it looks like. He catches his shoe on the front chair remember how there's these little lights that were on there he kind of he nicks his ankle on that right and it sends him on this spiral of not being able to keep up so he starts leading with his mouth right and as he's running there's a little bench or a, a table I guess that used to be in there that had the words this do in remembrance of me do you remember that you know, it's, it's still in there. And he's running and his, he starts, his mouth starts to open. And the first thing of a full sprint that hits this dew in remembrance for me, right on the dew of this dew in remembrance for me, his just teeth just, bam, just nail that table, right? And it is still pitch black. And we hear this just like guttural scream come from Alex. Ah! And we're like, oh no, this is really bad. So we all run over, but it's still so dark. And he just keeps wiping his mouth like this, just spreading the blood all over his mouth and chest. And he's touching us with his hand and we're screaming. And he just keeps screaming over and over again. Turn on the light. Turn on the lights. Turn on the light. Because he wants to know what on earth is happening in this region of his face. Turn on the lights. Turn on the lights. So finally, I have a friend who runs to the back. He flips the light switch, and I remember I was staring at him directly in the face, and he just had no front teeth and blood all over it, like a bib of blood. And I just screamed, ah, your face. So we went to the doctor, and he has fake teeth now. But I always say it's the worst communion he ever took right on that table. <laughs> oh. So you have those two stories, right? Turn on the light, turn on the light. Which one, and hopefully it's obvious, which one is more like what we see in the Bible. Do you think you know? The second one. Who thinks the second one? Yeah? Alright, who thinks the first one? A few, okay, maybe a few. Maybe it's a little bit of both, but I would like to suggest to you and encourage you to think that it's more like the second one. Yes, there is deep symbology when it comes to light and dark in the Bible, and, and the Bible is full of rich, deep meaning. But for the Israelites, for the first century Jewish people, and for Jesus and his followers, I Encourage you to think that light and dark was thought of like that. It was light. It was darkness. Dark at night. Then you have fire. You have the sun. You now can see. Think about the people who are reading and writing this, right? The people who are hearing these stories. What would be important to them, an Israelite, wandering through the desert, right? They have nowhere, no source of light besides the star and the moon or the sun, what does light and dark mean for them? It means you can see. It means you're not wandering around in the darkness. It means that you are not lost. Because of the light, you can do things. You can live. And I, even up into the time where Jesus is there, lights, lanterns, were incredibly important, because without them, you couldn't see anything. I, I think we greatly take for granted the electricity. It sounds bizarre, but the electricity that we have, and that we are always in light, right? I'm standing on, in spotlights. If this were thousands of years ago, that would not be the case. We would, this would, we would have to be outside in the day, or there would be lanterns. Light meant you can see. And let's even analyze further what this means. Because as we go forward, there's a couple passages I want to read to you which will set up Jesus being the light of the world. And then we're going to look at what Jesus says about us and how we interact with being the light of the world. But as we understand, I want to read you a couple passages about how light has meant that you are able to see, right? And if it does mean that, then it's going to have certain implications for us being the light of the world. In Exodus 27, 20, it says this, now go back in your, in your mind, in time, you are in the desert and in the desert, there's the tabernacle, right? The tabernacle is set up so that God's presence can be with the Israelites. And as they're there at night or in the day, it is dark. The tabernacle, if you don't know, is this tent dwelling place, which covered uh, with leather and skins and all sorts of things. So that when you walk inside, it probably would be pitch black. You couldn't see a thing. But what stood in there was a lampstand, a menorah, really. And that light was the only light that guided your way. And it says this in Exodus twenty-seven twenty: It says, You shall charge the sons of Israel that they bring you clear oil of beaten olives for the light to make a lamp burn continually in the tent of meeting outside the veil which is before the testimony. Aaron and his sons shall keep it in order from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a perpetual statute throughout all generations for the sons of Israel. There's the tabernacle and in it is the presence of God in its innermost room. But the room right outside, which leads to that, is a dark room. And there are a few things in there. But the only light source is the lamp stand, is the menorah. It's the thing in which helps you see your way to the presence of God. The physical light guides you. If you were to walk in without it, You It would be dark. You wouldn't know where you were going. With it, you can see, right? Keep that in your mind as we go forward. As we jump and we fast forward all the way to John. Go to John 1, 6. In John 1, 6, there comes another man talking about light. Now, keep in mind, this light isn't the uh, symbolic good guy or the symbolic person who's really good at things, this light, when they hear it, they are thinking this person will help us, what? See. They will help us know the way. They will help us find the way and we will no longer be light if, we will no longer be lost if the light comes, right? It says this in John 1, 6, there came a man sent from God whose name was John, He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. John, the Baptist, is preaching about one who is coming, who will be the light. Not, like I said, the symbolic good guy of the universe, although he is good, But the one who is coming will help us see as the light in the tabernacle guided the way to God. One is coming who will guide us to God. And then he even goes on to clarify. John clarifies in 9-13 through it says this, There was the true light which came. Coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And we'll stop there. This one that came is Jesus. Jesus came, like we've talked about the last couple weeks, as the light of the world. And the light of the world not being just this representative good person who's really great and you really, you know, you should, he's wonderful, you should really uh, attach yourself to him because he's a really great guy. See, he's got all this good lightness about him. No, what Christ came to do and what he is, is he is the clarifying, the enlightening, the light lighting of the path. Through Him and in Him, we have the ability to approach God. Like the light existed in the tabernacle which guided you to the holy of holies. So Christ, through Him, through us receiving Him and through our faith in Him, we find our way to God. He, Christ, even clarifies even further. If you look in uh, John eight twelve, which we talked about just a few weeks ago. John 8.12 says this, Jesus in Jerusalem talking about the light that they see all around, around them on the lampstand says this, then Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. He who walks in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. And through him, we have our path to God. Is this making sense? Are you getting this? The the lampstand existed in the tabernacle. That John preached about this light that is coming. Christ comes into the world and says, I am the light. Not good versus evil, but it is good versus evil, but more so thought of as, let me shine in the darkness. Through me, you will see the truth. Through me, you will see God. Through me you will have eternal life and you will have salvation, because in me is the kingdom of God, because I am the light which pierces the darkness. I think I don't think of it like that all the time. I think, oh, you know, good versus evil, and it is that a lot. But I think when her when hearing this, the first Christians, the the, the first Jew, these Jewish people who heard this. They saw Jesus as the light piercing the darkness. So how does this interact with us? What are we to do? Well, in Matthew 14, it says this, that you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. As the light has existed to guide others to God, as the light has come in Christ, Jesus tells his disciples, you are the light of the world. And us, through our faith in Christ, we are the light of the world. Not just good people, not just the ones who understand, but we are the ones in the world who are lighting the way to God. Like the lamp existed in the tabernacle, like Christ exists for the world, we are the light in the darkness today. Does that make sense? Alright, so what are we to do in that? I believe that our call is to shine, right? Let's look. Go to Matthew 5.14. We're going to go through this. Our call is to shine as the light of the world. And think about how just a light shines in the darkness. Well, it exposes things, right? It guides the way. I think many times we think of the dark world, right? And we think, oh, the evil, scary, nasty. We don't want anything to do with them. They're bad, gross, But I think in reality they are in darkness, but but darkness really means lost, confused, hitting their feet on things, falling over, no direction. And I think much of the world would say that we are like this, that much of the world doesn't know which way to go, doesn't know what is right or what is wrong. And they are searching for something. You, as the light of the world, your goal is then not to correct every problem or hate people who aren't like us or, or separate ourselves, our goal is to shine in the darkness and light the way to God. And we do that through these three ways. We are to uncover the light in our life. Jesus says this, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket. If you were to light your house and you were to light this lamp and you pour the oil and the fire starts burning and all of a sudden now you can see in your house and you say, thank you so much, let me just let me just put this under a basket real quick, a wicker basket, and the light goes out. People say, what are you, do- what are you doing? Why are you covering the light that you just lit? It's It's lost its purpose. But in our life, I know, and especially in my life, there are so many things which encourage us and cause us to cover up the light in our life. We're shining in the darkness. The Christ Christ is burning in our hearts. But at times, we just want it to just go away. I wish I could build a fire right here to show you that, but I, the, I clearly have bad uh, experiences of fire. So let me. Do, I made a video. Check out the video. It'll explain more. For all of us believers, we have the light of Christ in us. This fire here today is our light of Christ. And for every single one of us, this light burns bright. Those who confess their faith in Jesus, given to us as a free gift. And as this fire or this light burns in our life, and the Holy Spirit grows in us, we give off light. We point the way to God. And what Jesus is teaching us in this passage is that we should put ourselves up on a lampstand. We should in all ways shine bright for everyone to see. He said we would never cover this up, but we would let it burn bright for everyone to see. So for us, our calling and our job in a way is to allow this fire to continue to burn bright in our life and to put ourselves in situations where it burns brightly. In a lot of ways, our job is to stoke the fire. We take pieces of wood, and this could be Learning more about the kingdom of God, opening ourselves up to new truths, coming to church more, and allowing the truth of God to penetrate into our life and to stoke the fire that's in us. We put wood on the fire, and as it continues to grow, we burn brighter and brighter. And in our workplace, or our jobs, or our schools, or with our our friends, as the light of Christ grows in us, they start to see God in us. They don't see us, we become less, but the fire and the light of the Lord burns brighter in us. And as this fire burns brighter and brighter, the joy of the Lord, the good news of the gospel starts to come through and people see God throughout our lives as our light burns bright. Our goal is to continue to let this burn bright. And maybe sometimes at school, you have an opportunity to share the good news of Christ. Or at work, you have the opportunity to stand up for what is right. Allow this fire to burn bright. And it's like pouring just lighter fluid on this fire. And it grows. (laughs) And as this fire grows, we should praise the Lord and be ecstatic that God is moving in our life and allowing His light to shine through us. But the sad reality is, as the fire burns bright in our life for so many people, we sometimes feel uncomfortable. And it's easier for us to calm the fire down a little, to make it a little lower, to make the light shine not so bright, and to have it be just a small flame that smolders. And for us, as we're going through life, We're happy with this, just something small, something manageable, not too bright, not completely covered, but just something like this. And I challenge you that as you go through your life, you should stoke the fire. You should not cover up the light. You, being the light of the world, should not hide yourself. But as this fire is small like this, we sometimes want to make it smaller. Something so small that even we can barely see it. There, maybe we move some of the stove, some of the wood, so that it's just something very manageable. And for even more of us, at times in our life, whether it be at work or school or with family, it's easier for us just to cover it for a while, just to just to put something over it. Say, we'll come back to this. Let's just we'll leave it like this for now. Maybe at times we can, we can open it up and we'll see it again. Yeah, but now let's just leave it covered. This is not what God intended for us. God calls us to burn brightly, to be the light of the world, and shine for all to see His name and His glory. Do not cover up the flame that is in us. In Hebrews, thank you. <clears throat> I set the microphone on fire when we did that, just so you know. In Hebrews 12.1, it says this, Therefore, since we have so so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. That is uncovering the light in our life. Really, it's simplifying our life so that we can serve Jesus simply. Well, we don't need to get into it because we have much to say on that in the weeks to come. I encourage you. I, you must come back to hear about how simplifying our life helps us serve the Lord. But moving on. Christ says that we are to not only just uncover the light in our life, we are to lift it up on a lampstand. It says this, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. It is not enough just to uncover the light in your life. Christ encourages us to lift that light up just as the lampstand is lifted up in our life as it was lifted and existed in the tabernacle as Christ existed as that light we too are to lampstand ourselves if you can turn that word into a verb right that in your life finding areas that are that are that you exist in the darkness right when you go out that the darkness that the areas around you are very dark how can you not only be uncovered and shine but how can you lift yourself up so that others see the light, that others see the pathways to God. And to finally, we do this to glorify our Father in heaven. In verse 16 of, of Matthew chapter 5, it says this, Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The point of all this is this, that as... The light has existed. And understanding the light in the Bible is that light sheds knowledge, gives truth to the darkness. Provides a way for us to see the way to God. We are to do the same in our life. That we are to shine brightly. And we are to expose the darkness around us. We are to give to people in the darkness truth understanding of how to get to the Lord. We are to lampstand ourselves and bring ourselves up so that they may see the light in us, but all of it not to glorify ourselves, but so that through our good works that they would see, people would see, the world would see, our Father in heaven, and they would glorify Him. In your bulletin, open it up. On the back of it, you should have a big light bulb. Something like this, kind of. As you see that light bulb and as, as I tell you this last story and as we go into this, this, this next set of, of worship and playing music, I want you to do something with this light bulb. <clears throat> you have it all? You everyone have it? In the light bulb, there's a space and then outside of the light bulb, there's a space. I want you to do this. And, and you can do this as I tell you this next story. Think about your life. What are the areas in your life in which you feel you wander into darkness? And this doesn't have to be that you're going into an area where you feel like you're sinning or something like that. But maybe you work in a company or maybe you go to a school that is very secular and has nothing to do with God. And they don't want anything to do with the light. They want to keep the light out. They are happy being in the darkness. And as you go into that place, you really are the light of Christ. You really are the light of the world in that darkness, in that area around the light bulb. I want you to write something. Maybe it's, oh, my work or, you know, every time I go to the gym, there's those five guys that we always talk and hang out and they're so lost. It's not that they're evil and gross and bad, but they're so lost. They need direction. What are those areas in your life? And then in the light bulb, what is something that you could do to uncover the light in your life and to, to lampstand yourself and to allow others to see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven? That's what Jesus is wanting us to do. Jesus isn't wanting us to have this goodness of the light in our life and then cover it up, not show anyone and then just be selfishly living our life. He says, "No, no, no! Uncover that light, lift it up, so that people through your good works will see and glorify the Father who's in heaven." What are those areas in which you're in the darkness? What are those areas in which you can be the light? Let me tell you this last story as you fill it out. Uh, I didn't tell him I was say I don't even know if he's here. But we have a student named Michael Hansen. Is he here? No, no. He'll maybe be here later. Uh, we have a student named Michael Hanson. He's been on my mind this week. Uh, He's a perfect example of doing this. And we have so many high school students who are doing this. He's just been on my mind this week. But he's a perfect example of doing this. He goes to Beckman High School, which is over in Tustin, Irvine area. It's a secular high school. And they have a Fellowship of Christian Athletes Club, which is FCA, which Dave talked about uh, last week. And at this club, they talk about Jesus. They give testimonies, and, they, and it's a really wonderful time. Well, Michael decided, you know, it's not enough that people would just see and hear these testimonies. He wanted them to know more. I want to, for them to be informed and to have the truth of the, of the Scripture and the truth of God and the knowledge that, that ultimately brings people to having faith in Christ. So we set up another club. We set up a Christian apologetics club. But really, it's turned into philosophical foundations for a Christian worldview, really is what it turns into. Through my degree, I study philosophy up at Talbot in Biola. We have been meeting every Friday for the last couple months, and we get a group of sometimes 10, sometimes 20, even sometimes 40 students. And what we go through is we go through the philosophical truths that set up a Christian worldview, the things that are true about our world. Which lead us to believe that there has to be a God and that God did reveal himself through the Bible, and through Jesus. And it's been amazing. I can't tell you how many non-believing people have come to that meeting and they say, I just don't believe it. You know, I think that we have souls and I think that there's a right and wrong and you should treat people a certain way, but I just don't believe in God. And it's great. You know, me and him, we sit around and, and, and the rest of the group, we sit around and say, well, okay, how is that possible? And we guide students through this process. A public high school sometimes can be a very dark place a very dark world yet we we come in as the light of the world not to lift ourselves up but to just exist to ask questions and to shed light into these dark places i encourage you as we enter into this new year as we sit on the edge of 2016 be the light of the world be the light of the world uncover the light that god has given us all Lift it up so that people will see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. And ultimately, if you're thinking, well, I would like to do that, but I don't feel like I have the light in my life. Well, then come and talk to us. Don't leave today without figuring out what that would look like in your life. I'd like to illustrate this in a special way. So if you're in the, if you're in the band, why don't you come on up, up onto the stage? We're going to We're going to go old school here, back to my young days as a child here at Calvary Church. What we're going to do is, if you can and if you're able, I would like everyone to stand. Can you all stand with me as we end the year of 2015, as we look into 2016, talking about how we can simplify our lives and better serve Jesus, how we can let the light shine bright in our life. We are going to sing This Little Light of Mine. Do you know this song? Do you remember this song? Yes? This little light of mine. I I have a terrible voice, so I'm just going to hand it on over to Ron. But we are going to sing a few lines of this, and then we are going to end with a few Christmas carols, which I'll set up as well. But let's together, and if you know the hand motions, do them. But let's sing This Little Light of Mine. All right. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm I'm gonna gonna let let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Once again. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm gonna let it shine. Hide it under a bushel, no. I'm gonna great job everyone give yourselves a round of applause and as we as we end now with two of my favorite christmas carols these christmas carols they represent what i'm talking about as you stand up here in a public place in a church yes but in a public place and you sing these declarations about what you think about a god we are going to sing hail the incarnate deity this is what i'm talking about to be able to stand up in public and sing loudly that we hail the incarnate deity that we that, that, that as the, the joy of the lord and the light of god has come into this world that we will proclaim it loudly we will do good deeds So that others will see and glorify our Father in heaven. And the light will shine brightly in our lives. So sing with us now as we end this service, as we end 2015 and look into the future shining brightly for God.